You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rain Roberts. I'm really sorry that I skipped last week. I was very sick. I had my first vaccination and then I promptly caught a cold. I am definitely sure that I caught a cold and it was not vaccination side effects, but either way, I was very, very sick and definitely not uh, able to do anything more than croak or possibly cough into the microphone. So uh, you're welcome for sparing you that. You are listening to Musketeer Space, and we are up to chapter six, The Wrong Sort of Duel. Dana stood in the artifice meadow, staring down the tip of the musketeer's sword. Athos stared implacably back at her, waiting for, for what? For her to draw a sword of her own? That was only one of the many things wrong with this scenario. You duel with swords, Dana said slowly. That's... Why do you even have a sword? It's called a pilot slice, Porthos contributed from where she was very comfortably seated on the artificial stone. She tossed her own baton from hand to hand. Official issue, smart steel. It shapes itself into any blade length or width that we require. Essential in emergencies. Designed to be our final option if we're trapped in wreckage or need to hack our ship into a rudimentary shelter. So, of course, you figured out a way to use it as a casual weapon against each other. For kicks, Dana said with heavy sarcasm. A hundred and one uses, said Aramis, with a warm smile of her own. She sat on the grass beside Porthos, unpinning her dark hair, so it fell loosely down her back. None of them were taking Dana remotely seriously. She was a joke to them. I thought you meant... duel, Dana exploded, looking back at Athos. He did not lower the sword, pointing directly at her. Athos glared at her, along the thin line of metal. You mean with pilot drugs and computers and seedy betting circles? Of course not. We couldn't fly straight if we were doing that to ourselves every other day. He paused and reflected. Well, these two couldn't. They're lightweights. Whereas fighting each other with metal spikes, perfectly sane? Dana snapped back. She shook her head at him, stepping back out of range. I don't understand you. Any of you. You have the best fucking job in the world and you act like bored teenagers in a pantomime. Metal swords and honour duels and that beard. Athos looked almost hurt and did lower the sword this time. What's wrong with my beard? It's ridiculous, Dana howled. Long hair worn out is against every military regulation there is. You can't possibly say it's not a flight hazard. But that beard of yours is taking the piss. It's like a mad concoction of all the other beards that male pilots shave off every morning. It makes no sense at all. You make no sense at all. Athos tilted his head at her with an odd sort of smile. The other two weren't nearly so restrained. Porthos laughed so hard she was nearly sick, and Aramis leapt up to smack Athos between the shoulders. 
Some of us have been telling him that all year, she declared, tugging at his locks. But only when drunk. He never believes us. Athos stroked his long beard, frowning. I grew it for a bet. Ten months I've had it waiting for Amaral Treville to order me to shave it off. Someone spoiled the surprise ahead of time. Thank you, Porthos. Not guilty, protested Porthos. And so Treville refuses to acknowledge it. Pretends she's never even noticed I have a beard. Athos sighed deeply, as if this was a great tragedy to him. I suppose she assumed I'd get bored of it soon enough, or that I'd have strangled myself with the ship cables by now. Dana frowned at him. So you lost the bet? She still wasn't ruling out the possibility that these three were making fun of her. Of course not, Athos said, completely serious. I bet she wouldn't crack. Let that be a lesson to you here in Paris. Never bet against Amaral Treville. He looked Dana over, from her own regulation shaved head down to her sturdy and serviceable boots. You don't actually have a sword, do you? It was not a question. Dana shook her head slowly. That's how you were wounded, she muttered. You let some rival stick a blade into you. I tried to stop him, he said as if that made it reasonable. I'm not completely irresponsible. And I can't help it if dangerous men with questionable politics flock to me. It's a curse. You could stop actively encouraging them to murder you, Porthos suggested. Athos rolled his eyes at her. The weight of past evidence suggests otherwise. You're all crazy, Dana interrupted. How do you even have time to do your jobs? I haven't got a blade. I haven't got a ship. I washed out of the musketeers. If this is your idea of honour, put down the swords and I'll take you on with my bare hands. She held herself in boxing stance, determined that she wasn't going to leave this meadow without hitting at least one of them very hard in the face. There was a brief pause, in which the expressions of all three musketeers barely changed. Athos raised his blade for a moment, in something like a salute, and then flicked it back into the shape of a baton. Well then, d'Artagnan, he said, very reasonably. We'd better get you fixed up with a job, a blade, and a ship, before we try to kill you. It's only sporting. They got drunk instead. Fiercely, companionably drunk. Somehow Dana had ended up classified as a mate rather than an upstart, simply for her willingness to shout at Athos. Surely making friends wasn't this easy. It had never been so easy for her before. She might be more suspicious if she wasn't. Far too drunk. The bar was called the Abbey of St. Germain, which meant the staff wore medieval monk costumes, a source of great amusement to all three musketeers because of some joke lost in the midst of time. Dana could not understand half of what they said to each other, but she liked that they never bothered to explain. It felt as if she was already one of them. They had convinced Athos that the beard had to go. He resisted until Dana pointed out 
that the joke had gone on so long, Treville would be more disturbed by its absence than its presence. Aramis seized upon this premise, and Porthos plied Athos with wine until he agreed to it. I'm sure this is an android's job, he said dourly, sitting lengthwise on the bench. Aramis sat astride the bench behind him, running the sonar clipper slowly and thoughtfully across the back of his head, until only a thin layer of stubble remained. You don't trust androids, said Aramis, concentrating. A nearby bar android hovered, sucking up the hair that had fallen in snippets all over the polished floor. I don't trust you, Athos said. Liar, said Aramis, turning his head so as to tidy up above his ears. Dana watched Aramis's hands, gentle and competent, as she played barber for her friend. Athos's eyes fixed thoughtfully upon Dana. So, what did you do, baby pilot? He asked, not slurring nearly enough for a man on his third round of a golden elixir called Valorous Grain, to earn three duels in one day. It just sort of happened, Dana admitted. She'd given up trying to moderate her own drinking, on the grounds that being sober would make it even harder to communicate with these reprobates. Didn't it? she applied to Porthos and Aramis, who laughed at her. You offended my chest, Athos said sternly. My poor, wounded chest. Your pride, Dana corrected. And yours. She shrugged, slightly ashamed of herself. Granted. But my two lady friends here. He only calls us ladies when he's drunk, Aramis put in. It's the only time he remembers, Porthos added. Aramis elbowed Athos to make him turn around again so she could start on his beard. These ladies are the pinnacle of grace and excellence and forgiveness, Athos said grandly. How did you make enemies of them? Dana looked over at Porthos, who busily poured herself some more wine. I don't need a reason, Porthos said, looking as embarrassed as Dana felt. I fight to fight. We argued about fashion, I think, said Dana cautiously. This at least was a joke she could share with Porthos, rather than watching as the musketeers lobbed them over her head. Fashion, that was it, Porthos winked at Dana. Don't tell him, pet. He'll only make fun of us. Athos had moved on from them already. But Aramis, he said, no one has ever quarrelled with Aramis. She is perfectly amiable in all ways. You dickhead, you quarrel with me constantly, said Aramis, buzzing away at the line of his chin. You have the patience of a saint, Athos told her. And yet, Aramis sighed. And yet, she gave Dana a wary look before returning to her task. Our new young friend and I argued over a matter of theology, she said. You know me. Too much religion, said Athos fondly. It always gets you into trouble. If you lived a more devout life, your soul would thank you for it, replied Aramis, kissing him on the top of his head. A dark expression fell over Athos's newly shorn face. 
for a moment. The very opposite, I think, he muttered. An attractive monk cleared the empty bottle from the table and opened a fresh one for them. She tipped Aramis a wink as she did so and managed to flash some leg, despite the large brown robes. Oh, said Athos, cheering up. That sort of theology makes more sense. I resent your implication, said Aramis, but she was laughing. Can we stop talking about this? begged Dana. She was still kicking herself about that photo silk. The only proper way to change the subject is to toast the best boss in the skies, said Athos, coming to his feet suddenly. Amaral Treville! Treville! thundered Porthos. You clown, snapped Aramis, pulling Athos back down to the bench. I almost cut half your chin off. None of them noticed that Dana failed to join in the toast. What had Amaral Treville done for her? The door of the bar swung open, and a sabre officer walked in, resplendent in a red and gold uniform. She was accompanied by three uniformed red guards, hammers, with the cardinal's cross shining brightly on their scarlet jackets. Athos was a different man in an instant. His smile vanished. Aramis had left a thin layer of beard close to his chin. There was a scar running over the top of his freshly shorn scalp, as if his head had once been cut open with an axe. He leaned into Dana as the sabre and her underlings approached. D'Artagnan, if the sight of them makes you want to draw a sword or swing a chair into their faces, then you are a true musketeer at heart. Then he winked, one long-lashed blue eye. Dana knew it to be true. Other children were trained by their parents to love particular team-joust colours, or to nurse a deep patriotism for the station or planet on which they were born. For Dana, since she was a baby, it had been Team Musketeer. She had never met a sabre or a red hammer to talk to, and yet she hated these guards on sight. The sabre was a short and stocky white woman, with a spiky mohawk and the bars of a major on her lapel. Drinking at mid-shift, she said, in a low drawl. Sad, Captain Lieutenant Athos. You used to be someone. Claudine Jussac, Athos replied, lifting his glass as if toasting her health. I notice your uniform still fits. Strange, as you seem to be losing height every year. Perhaps it's the artificial gravity. You need to get yourself dirt side for a holiday. Suck in some sun, get laid, and then maybe the terrible shrinkage will abate. Jussac scowled at him. There's been a complaint, Athos. I wouldn't take it personally, he said in a reassuring tone. Some people are simply never going to like you. I think it's because you're not very friendly. Jussac's eyebrows drew in even closer. Athos, you're not helping yourself here. Shut your mouth. Now talking is forbidden by the precious cardinal, Porthos interrupted, drumming her fingernails on the table. What next? Are they taking our wine? 
Aramis was deeply unimpressed with both of her friends. How about you state your business and get out of here, Claudine? She asked in the calm voice of a peacemaker. Jussac smiled at Aramis with all her teeth. You three have been fighting again on church property behind the Luxembourg in our jurisdiction. Lies, said Porthos immediately. What would your mother say if she saw you hassling poor innocent musketeers, Claudine? Jussac bridled. I've been in service to the Cardinal for seven years, Paul. I outrank all three of you. Don't you think it's time to take me seriously? We would, baby doll, said Aramis. But it's hard for us to keep up with all you bright young things, with your freshly pressed uniforms and your busy work. Jussac folded her arms. She really did look like a sulky teenager, Dana decided. We have security footage of Captain Lieutenant Athos bearing sword behind the Luxembourg. We didn't even fight, Dana burst out. Aramis gave her a warning look and placed one finger to her mouth. Athos stood up, turning to face Jussac. She came up to his collarbone just about. I thought it was illegal to monitor so close to a house of worship, he said calmly. Jussac tilted her head back, obviously hating to do so. The cardinal has made a new ruling, she snapped. So many unsavoury types took advantage of the church privacy laws to play their dangerous games. She let her red jacket slide open to show the baton of a pilot slice on one loop of her belt and the glittering red chrome of an arc ray on another. Guess what, Arthos bloody smart-ass musketeer? You're under arrest. Dana held her breath. Athos looked to Jussac up and down quite deliberately, as if he was preparing to pick her up and throw her bodily through the nearest window. No, he said after a moment. I don't think I am. The Luxembourg and its grounds may be under the Cardinal's jurisdiction, but this bar is on Crown property, and I'm wearing the blue and white. I'm not under arrest. Jussac barely blinked. She flexed her hands once, and in response to that signal, the door of the Abbey of St. Germain was flung open and a dozen more red hammers entered the bar. It all looked official right up to the point that they drew blades instead of stunners. The saucy monks and other customers melted back into the far corners. You don't have a sword, Aramis said in an undertone to Dana. Better hide under the table until all this is over. Before Dana could react to that, Aramis was up and over the table, her pilot slice baton extending into a wicked gleam of a sword. Porthos roared and turned over the table in the same moment, leaping towards her friends. Tana d'Artagnan paused in horrified amazement as the bar erupted into the most fearsome brawl. Fuck this for a joke, she decided, and dodged around the fallen table to punch the nearest sabre in the kidneys and take his slice off him. Paris Satellite, the centre of elegant civilization. 
not entirely what she had expected. But not boring, Dana thought, grinning wildly as she ducked and punched and figured out very quickly how to get the most effective use of a pilot slice at close quarters. Most certainly not boring. Thanks so much for listening to Sheep Might Fly. I'll be back with more Dana D'Artagnan shenanigans next week. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates, follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. Yeah.